Hey, DC fans, uh, it's Gary from Baden's Comics. Um, <laughs> I just want to let you know that uh, Burton's Comics is open and ready to serve you in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, down 725 Barton Street East. Um, coming for some deals on the weekend. Thanks. All right, sweet daddy-os, sweet mamas. Welcome aboard that gold track, that yellow brick road, that shiny mead around the sky. You bet your ass we here for some jiving, some juking, maybe some juking and jiving. We're here for some of that disco spin kick, sweet daddy, and I here, of course, the fright for a ball himself, the disco tech of Chekamex, and that there's the fluff luffle gets himself demise. Who are you, sweet daddy? Tell the ladies. Tell the boys. Why are you? Why do you sound like a 1970s radio host? <laughs> I, I feel like we're going to hell? Why the hell do you sound like Shauna? Because I am. All right, if you're really Shauna, then yeah. something only I would say. Mm, you are the real Shauna. Well, <laughs> all right, babies. And besides her, I am the confused Cloudy J, hoping we don't get in trouble for this opening. <laughs> we won't. We'll never get in trouble. We are too dastardly. We are too fresh. We are too sweet, baby. <laughs> well, anywho, how you doing this week, good sir? I'm doing fresh and fine, sweet mama. I'll tell you that you can jive in that, that golden age of disco techs and ninjas and dragons got me spinning that wacky mac, I'll tell you what. I don't even know what that means, but I'm doing fine and fresh, baby. Oh, 70s. <laughs> just warn me let me know now off the top are you going to keep this gimmick going for the entire episode I don't know if I can handle it you think Do that I... the 70s was just a phase sweet baby I'll tell you what it's just a phase mama and that's the moment that you fall asleep to the moment that you wake up after a sweetly placed spin kick from those granddaddy warriors that kick on ninja booty I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm just I'm just in love with the fact that a Batman movie happened in uh, just a disco and disco like environment, and it has been something I've been hoping for in animated fashion forever. And now that it's here, I can't get enough, sweet daddy. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a lot to get through this week. There's uh, so much news. Oh my freaking god! I don't know how you guys get across so much. Like I, I barely found anything newsworthy. I have 14 things on news. <coughs> he just kept sending me stuff. Those are little bitty pages. Bitty, 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 bitty pages. But those are going to be, those are going to amount to some uh, fresh squabbles to go down. So uh, why don't we lay down some freshness? What's the shakes? Well, we'll get through Collector's Corner real quick because oh, yeah. I don't know if you have anything. Uh, us, our Marvel Alpha Flight box set came in. Uh, and for our DC stuff, I was able to find the Spin Master Nightwing, the red variant edition. We went to um, Walmart in another uh, town. Okay, okay. Well, that's actually a pretty good find for uh, that kind of Walmart. I mean, friggin' out, like, 
Walmart and um, Dollarama seem to have some really um, just kind of obscure names for Funko Pops as of late. I mean, it's not a bad thing either. They've had some really good ones over the last couple months. Yeah, we got like the John Cena one at the Dollarama. Yeah, well, that was one of them. yeah, that was one of them. That was one of the really good ones. <laughs> That's it for Collector's Corner. <laughs> Uh, got a few more things in the mail coming in to go with the Alpha Flight set. We got X-23, the brown suit Wolverine, uh, Guardian, who didn't come with the six-piece box set, as well as just today I ordered uh, Wild Child as well. I want to say that's a load of crap there, but uh, things got pretty, um, I want to say, controversial, uh, thanks just to the sheer presence of uh, Alpha Flight being there, no less, when... Uh, that one fella who had the power of Korvac or was Korvac, whatever the case was, and he just sped like a bullet train and he flattened the entirety of Alpha Flight um, just by flying along his, you know, usual day. Well, I guess not so usual, but he was freaking the fuck out that he got this power cosmic and shit and didn't know what to do with himself. But he still killed Alpha, Alpha Flight nonetheless. And, um, yeah, he was the one to take up the mantle of... Um, uh, I think it was Vindicator? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's right. Yeah, uh, he was the one to take up the mantle, and he played a pivotal role in uh, Norman Osborn's uh, presence in Hammer and uh, the Dark X-Men and the Dark Avengers uh, to come. And then, of course, Michael Pointer coming in as Weapon Omega. That was his last name, fucking Pointer. That was the guy who came in. Buddy was just nuts. He was just the silliest shit when I first read into it. And then again, the whole um, Hammer arc took over and he had a great, he had a great point. He had a great like focus um, just in his run in the Dark X-Men. That I, I loved his back and forth with uh, Cal Rankin, the mimic. Oh my God, right? You could tell they were buddy cops like the second they started interacting. They had a very uh, Booster Beetle friendship. They did. They did. Though it was intentionally for the for Norman Osborn's side. You know how that's going to go immediately. They still wound up with a sort of friendship that just kind of clicked with you, you know? You were really hoping it was going to go long-term and still even stretch to this day. Like, I could see them doing shit with those guys to this day. Yeah, it's a shame that they don't, especially with... Uh... The whole Island of Krakoa things going on, Mimic could be a huge help. I mean, they got Mr. Sinister, they have Exodus, they have uh, Vulcan. Why? Why can't he be a part of them? What's the big deal with not utilizing Mimic? I mean, you're pretty much taking any and everything you work so hard for with telling the X-Men tales since Astonishing had first arrived on the scene, and... Uh, the whole Isle of Krakoa thing is just, you know, undoing it as they go along just so they can push forward newer arcs. In canon, he was the sixth X-Men. He was! He was. He looked goofy as fuck, but he was, He is, in fact, yeah, Jay's right. He was any X-Men, every X-Men, and all the X-Men, and the sixth X-Men. Well, do you have anything for Collector's Corner at all this week, Mize? Did you pick anything up? Oh, yeah. Uh, to delve back into magic, more stuff has been coming in the mail for me. I recently did uh, a swift uh, kind of like I guess a curbside trade with a friend of mine, like trading Yu Gi Oh for magic. 
and it was a it was a bit of a hard one to do there but uh, it took a bit but we finally got things patented down and I had the cards I wanted he got stuff that he was looking for through recent product that got released uh Aside from that, anytime I go out for essentials, I'll see if there's any magic kicking around and I'll grab myself a couple things. But aside from that, nothing major like the figure Funko department there. Um, nothing has overly like caught my eye or pulled me into getting that kind of thing. I'm more focused on the books anywho. Perfect. And what are you reading this week? Well, just going over, uh, just going over old titles. Um, again, doubling into the Marvel thing, I read uh, Old Man Logan and Age of Ultron again. And then going back to the DC stuff, uh, I reread over uh, Future State shit, um, came to realizations that I was actually delving into some, like, a separate character arc while in the same book still. I didn't know they were still doing that, but with Future State being such, um, being such a compact event, but still stretched out in, like, name, uh, name-based variables. It's um, nice to just go over and catch these other details there. Like I'm really each and every time I pick up these books, I question, you know, what is there going to be in store for the magistrate in the future? Um, how much harder are they going to impact the DC universe since being introduced into new art? Uh, aside from that, I got uh, volume 13 of uh, the flash uh, rogues reign. This was just before the whole, um, uh, death metal arc had taken into effect um, but uh, Central City has been divided up uh, among the rogues um, what was it Captain Cold became King Cold uh, a bunch of the other rogues got super power ups and uh, all of a sudden uh, the disappeared and missing Golden Glider came back around uh, which was really cool for uh, that story arc there and uh, aside from that just uh, one, of, one of my anime titles that's about it did you pick up any of this week's Future State releases? I didn't know there were releases for this week specifically because I checked with Gary. He's like, I don't got any new ones. Yeah, well, you know how distribution is with Gary. Sometimes he doesn't get his new ones in from DC on time. So if there were, indeed, in fact, uh, recent releases for Future State titles that uh, I just didn't bother putting the effort into looking up, outside of my usual local source, then, uh, well, that's on me, then. That just means I got something else to hunt for in the future. Yeah, the uh, Green Lantern Future Estate came out this week. Uh, I actually want to discuss a little bit of spoilers for that one. Oh. Go ahead, sweet daddy. What do you got? Is, is that okay with everyone in the room? All right, no, Perfect. Well, I actually want to talk about the twist on Jessica Cruz at the end of this issue. Oh. <sighs> Uh, after living on a space station uh, completely depowered with no rings she's attacked by members of the Yellow Lantern Corps including uh, Lissa Drack yeah she's able to fend off these members without any kind of uh, like ring power ups just with her skills and know how uh, and she completes a character arc because because what she's able to do to these lanterns is she makes them fear her. Jessica Cruz was, uh, you know, bestowed a yellow lantern ring. Well, she didn't very well take kindly to being bullied. And from being an avatar of will for such a period that Jessica has been, it may not have been the longest, but it was certainly just kind of a, a shot in the dark um, sort of feel 
So Jessica's uh, constant improvement and uh, better involvement over the coming story arcs in DC Comics has been nothing short of welcoming. Um, being able to utilize her as though DC were operating with its usual 2814 sectored lanterns, it's given that kind of familiar feel, but it's always great to have that new and diverse touch to it. So I cannot personally wait to see how much further they deal with Jessica Cruz in regards to the Green Lantern arc. I mean, it's got to be something huge if they're transitioning off into yet a different Green Lantern or from this from this point of, I guess, like peaking in the DC universe when you managed to hit the state of multiple Lantern cores. And if you look at how she was originally introduced, uh, taking the power ring from Earth 3 in Forever Evil because she felt such inner fear towards everything around her to now being able to instill fear in others, it's a great circle for her. Madness. Like that kind of power runs on anxiety as opposed to fear. But like in in the books and everything, in in their continuities, it'll tell you that it runs off fear, and this is kind of a kind of a subsection of fear. But you know, he used uh, anxiety as a form of like a growing monster, growing evil on you. That this um, power becomes more of its own entity that may not be of the best ideas, Um, especially since when it originates from a concept that is based on like willpower and the means to uh, fight your fears. And it makes it a dangerous weapon in the right hands, and it makes an even more dangerous weapon in the unknowing hands. So, again, for her to be able to conquer this kind of thing has been uh, just uh, a momentous turn of creativity. And speaking of Green Lantern books, that transitions us into the news. Uh, The first thing I want to talk about is uh, some of the April DC solicitations do include a new Green Lantern book in which they've announced that both Joe Moline and Kelly Quintera, the Teen Lantern, uh, will be crossing over with the main Lantern books. I'm not sure if you've seen the cover for this, but it actually has Kelly going face-to-face with what looks like Gantt, as the rest of the core looks on in shock. Guy <laughs> Gardner's laughing his fucking ass off. I can't blame him for that. It's like watching two kids in the same class fight over the safety scissors. And he's the only one laughing. I love that cover. <laughs> funny shit is funny shit it doesn't matter how much willpower you have like everyone everyone else is probably dying on the inside and like not being able just to get it out there that it's hilarious and here's guys just (laughs) little people (laughs) they also announced the uh, a new robin title for damian wayne coming in april just damian specifically of course uh, Sean, do you have anything else on your list? We know the Harley Quinn black and red trade paperbacks coming out that month. Uh, as well as a plethora of other books. Uh, we didn't get them written down. This is something that just came out before we went on the air that I found. And I refused. And Sean refused to write it down because her paper was full already. I have two pages of uh, news and I was not writing anymore. Well, they can get more. Do you have any book news for us before we move on to the other departments? Oh, yeah. I have what is probably going to be the most important piece of uh, news for the evening. You may have this down. 
I do want to remind everybody that there are numerous amounts of creative minds throughout the known comic book universe. Each mind brings its own special to the table. But one mind in particular was a skill not of his own. No, he had to step forward and say, yes, of course, I'm going to be brave and cunning enough to be able to just take this what in which you cherish so much and swipe it from under your nose. I'm going to kick rocks. I'm going to tip over your mailbox. That's right. We're going to be celebrating the birthday of one of the most one of the most maniacal thieves known to mankind. That is the man, not the man, sorry, the monkey, who stole the power of mind force itself from his own kind. It's Gorilla Grodd's birthday. Nice. Ah. From his debut in the Silver Age of Comics back in 1959, stealing uh, the power of mind from Solovar at a gorilla city, a gorilla grod has uh, turned us, turned our hearts into banana pudding and uh, turned our attentions over to the likes of which a uh, villainy has never seen before. And that's um, a uh, intelligible constant of the animal kingdom being able to utilize like a uh, man's world uh, as we do. So with uh, this villain who gets to strut around in the nude all the time, flip over cars, hate bananas, and rob banks, we celebrate the likes of Gorilla Grodd, a huge turning point in uh, character creativity. Perfect. Well, Sada, what else do you got for us? Uh, DC announced that Batman and Scooby-Doo um, is going to do a comic book. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's one of the other things that was on that list. Yeah, I saw I saw a cover variant uh, about that, and uh, I'm super excited. Also announced is a new ongoing Robin series. That's the one that we talked about off the top. Okay. There. Um. What else do you got for us? I have the Superman and Lois slash Batwoman crossover will not happen this year because of COVID. Yeah, there will be no CW crossovers this year because yeah, of COVID of concerns. None of the shows will cross over. Uh, from what I'm still hearing, David Ramsey will still be going show to show to direct and guest. Star. So I guess Diggle is our crossover for... I think everybody except for Swamp Thing, because Swamp Thing isn't getting a se second season. No, that's another piece of news there, but yeah. let's talk about the crossover thing first. Uh, yeah, no crossovers this year, Mize. Very surprising on that, you know? There's still a couple more crises they can play off of, and uh, I really feel that they're losing out on not being able to go forward from here. They just don't uh, want want to go in, uh, near each other, so I yeah, kind of get it, but it still kind of sucks. It does. It does. At this point in time, uh, we may end up getting surprised once things blow over and become much safer. But as for right now, I can understand why they want to withhold this kind of project. Uh, as Shana was saying, HBO Max has announced they're not going to be looking at Swamp Thing Season well, 2. Well, actually, that's CW. Or CW, sorry. We'll not be looking at Swamp, uh, Swamp Thing Season 2. Uh, I guess just no interest in picking up the series. I guess not. And HBO Max wasn't interested either. No. So. And speaking of HBO Max, uh, they also turned down uh, Arrow and the Canaries. Good. That was supposed to come out. Which, hey, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's because the movie came out and nobody cares anymore. Like, like um, Harley came out with Black uh, uh, Black Canary Birds and, all, and Birds of Prey, but like they just don't think it'll 
work yeah that movie came out around the same time as the backdoor pilot episode uh the movie did not make a profit no i didn't expect it to i didn't expect it to be as good as it was either but i haven't seen it yeah i haven't watched it either um from from the kind from the kind of mind that will read the that will read the books it's uh it's a fun watch it may be a little. It may be a little difficult to find a, a focus point um, at this point in time for you guys for it because uh, you don't read the exact same titles that I do. So there's, of course, the, some difference in a fan base and opinion in regards to just the portrayal I, overall. I, for the movie, it just didn't appeal appeal to me. Like it just didn't look like the right canary. The right uh, um, was it hunt. Not Huntress. Huntress, yeah. The marketing and advertising did not say, hey, you should invest two hours of your life in this. And I can see yeah. where people would want to see it because... It just know. didn't speak to us, and not everything will. No, they didn't present it in a manner that would, so... You know, watching the same Harley Quinn face happen for the same 30 seconds in the same commercial that gets played over and over again, it doesn't give any variety. I, I mean, think you more or less girl, uh, the teenagers. Right? Yeah, we don't shop for our clothes at Hot Topic. Oh, yeah. A lot of that, I think like 99.100% of that is um, all just absolute rubbish. Um, yeah, it's the, like a Hot Topic commercial. The premise, uh, the premise of the movie, a lot of potential, and uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun to watch through. Um, the character representation in the villain side of things was, I, good God, you cannot like if anything trust in the villains in that movie. Holy crap! Did they ever do a fantastic job? Great no. representation of Black Mask. Great representation of Victor's ass. So good. It just didn't appeal. Now, with because there was no appeal to it, they didn't bother advertising them. Exactly. The the movie's been out for about a year now, so spoiler warning. Uh, my does Black Mask even put on his fucking mask? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. See, usually for shit like that, there'll be a toy spoiler, like even a Funko Pop with him wearing the mask. That never came out. We said nothing, so we weren't sure. There is no Funko with him wearing the black mask. So I just went in assuming, okay, so he doesn't even put it on because Funko will make pops for things that didn't happen in movies, like Hulk busting out of the Iron Man armor. Again, you know, it's an absolute rubbish point there because he does wear the mask. And I got to tell you, he looks fucking cool in the mask. Even it um, varied as it varied as it was. Um, it's still like a pretty much a beginning tale. You still get the Roman Sionis with a face um, right off the bat like he was before. And then things progress as they do. Uh, characters progress as they do. Uh, again, the villain factor in it's fantastic. Why they didn't advertise that base enough is beyond me. Perfect. Shauna, what do you got? Um... John Core is, um, I guess it's Core. Yeah, John Core uh, is cast for uh, Chilbane in se- uh, season seven of The Flash. He's from like Supernatural, Degrassi, New, New Generation, South Three. He did uh, Dark Matter. He did some Erica show. I don't know what that's about. Uh, being uh, Erica, he was there for the whole series, apparently. 
Oh. He's also oh. from Demons, Ontario. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, he did Lost in Space as well. Yeah. Now, yes. for those people that aren't fully aware of the character, this is, of course, another ice-based villain in Central City. Uh, in the comics, he actually dates Lisa Snart for a while and cons her into giving him uh, some of Leonard's old gear uh, before turning on her, even. Huh. Which is just absolute madness. I mean, not even Mirror Master wasn't that fucking stupid. Right. So it'll be really, uh, pardon the pun, cool to see how they incorporate the villain in the upcoming season. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I'm showing a bit of interest towards this. I've never bothered coming across this guy before in my life, so he must have been just kind of a, a one-of for, for one of the Flashes. Whatever the case is, they've been doing great with their character so far. So I can only imagine how things are going to go um, just going forward with it. Perfect. Shauna, what's next? Um, a mint condition Batman book sells for uh, $2.2 million. Uh, yes. Batman issue number one, one with Batman and Robin on the cover in a perfect grade from the comic book grading authorities. 2.2 uh, 2. million U.S. So that's its current value, or that's how much it's sold that's for? That's how recently. much it's sold for. Making it the highest-selling comic book in history. More than Action Comics number one. Cool. I mean, I can imagine many better things to do with $2 million. <laughs> but this guy clearly wanted to sit at home with a copy of a with a copy of a book with a man dressed as a flying rodent that says like 10 cents or 50 cents on it. I'm a comic fan, even I know that's fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. You can get a reprint. You get a digital copy for like $2.99. You can get one of the reprint copies for cheaper, yeah. I would I would much or rather that. Find it online for free just to read. Like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Oh, man. Oh, what's next, babe? Um, the Batman is putting out a Mountain Dew. Yes, yes. Did you see oh, this? The, the Riddler, Riddler Brew. Now, this, of course, ties in. Like, back in the Christopher Nolan Batman yeah. days, they had Batman tie-ins with Mountain Dew. I guess oh, to try and soften the character. Soft drink? Soften. <laughs> soften the character's image going in for marketing. But they are putting out a purplish Riddler brew. And the label actually gives us a pretty cool look at the Riddler costume. I hope it's like a different color. <laughs> every color. Great. Like I can only imagine being in Gotham City, going into the local store and being like, oh, sick. It's a bottle of Mystery Meat Mountain Dew. <laughs> You just don't know what flavor it is. This does, of course, keep with the long tradition of uh, pop bottle and soda can advertisements for uh, different big tentpole movies. Right. And their mystery meat. All right, what's next, Shauna? Uh, on January 12th, 1966, the, uh, was the debut of episode, uh, episode of uh, Batman 66 called Hi Diddle Riddle. Yes, the Riddler episode. It was the debut episode of the 65 60s. 55 years ago. Yeah, 55 years ago this past week for Batman 66. And they couldn't have come up with the name There's a Riddler on the Roof. Right? That might be a different episode. 
Get out of town. You got to be shitting me, really? <laughs> I, I don't know. We have discussed. We have uh, 66 Batman. That's what we have discussed when we're done going through all the animated films that we can find. Uh, perhaps reviewing the Batman 66 show. Uh, we know next week we're doing the first 66 animated feature. More on that after this week's uh, review. But Shauna, what's next in the news? Um, the Flash movie is reporting Danny DeVito's Batman villain is um, Penguin is going to be in it. Uh, is the Flash even going to be in the movie at this point? I don't know. Everyone has been announced in the well, Flash. We know Cyborg ain't going to be in it. Oh, no. <laughs> No, um, there may be a, some kind of hypothetical replacement for it going in the long run. And that's because uh, uh, by the looks of things, uh, Henry Lennox is confirmed to be the Martian Manhunter for uh, the Snyderverse Justice League. Yeah, that was something that was rumored all the way back in Man of Steel, that that's who the character legitimately was playing. And it was going to be revealed in the Justice League initially. They just didn't do it uh, under all the rewrites. No, but it would appear we got our uh, real confirmation for it. Yeah, he was supposed to be the seventh member for the whole Unite the Seven uh, campaign. Excuse me. See, that would have been a perfect way to go. God damn it. Because if you recall, they kept saying Unite the Seven, but we only had six. We did only have six. That sucked. Yeah, <laughs> my fucking sucks having to pay for DLC. Shadow, yeah. <laughs> what's next? Uh, Batwoman season two airs on Sunday. That's right. This Sunday, for those of you who listen uh, right away when we drop. Uh, Which is the 17th. Yeah, the 17th of January. Batwoman season two begins. Uh, they've announced these uh, villains popping up throughout season two, including Victor Zaz, the False Face Society. Uh, Sarifa or the Sarifa. Didn't they have Victor Saz already on Gotham? Oh, it was Gotham. Okay, never mind. I thought it was Supergirl or something like that. No, it was on Gotham on Earth. That's right. Uh, Black Mask, I believe, is going to be another villain. Yeah, I believe so. Noise. I'm totally um, on that. That woman showrunner. Carol, uh, Caroline uh, Dries teases that Ryan Riddle, uh, Wilder's vendetta against Black Mask and the False uh, Face Society will happen this season. Yeah, so apparently our main character, Ryan Wilder, will have some kind of personal history with the False Face Society, which hopefully that will even tie into Hush. I hope Because so. he is supposed to be a villain this season, and, you know, the False Face Society, Hush, that's a perfect tie-in. And very much so it is. So I'm actually looking forward to it this Sunday. I'm looking forward to talking about it next week on the show. Oh, definitely, man. It's uh, been a wild ride for uh, TV shows to be hitting their stride as of late. The third installment of Disenchanted started. WandaVision oh, yeah. started up. Did you watch WandaVision? I did. I did. It was a spectacular. It was a spectacular premiere. I really enjoyed both episodes. The first episode confused the hell out of me, but the second one, I was, like, laughing my ass off. Yeah, it'll, it'll uh, be really interesting to see how that show uh, develops over time. 
I think it'll be it's fine. already it's already showing us how it's uh, going to proceed uh, into I guess more of a modern touch for their sitcom. So uh, we'll, we'll wait, Dan, I think. Yeah, like we'll wait to see how they'll uh, they'll progress on that because uh, yeah, I'd like to see them do like a Roseanne style episode or um, something like a even a Goldberg style episode or anything like that. Um, but so far, they've been putting it to real good use. Mm-hmm. The last thing I have is the Peacemaker uh, uh, started filming today. Yeah, as of today, officially, the Peacemaker television show started filming. Oh well, good. I'm glad to see it's. Uh, I'm glad to see it's on the right track right now. And that's all we've got for news on this side, Mize. How about you? Oh, so uh, yeah, pretty much it for news. Uh, Henry Lennox, the Grod's birthday, and I was also going to be conferring on the John Core thing. You know, you guys seem to have uh, gotten that down pretty well. Uh, news got out pretty quick on that. But yeah, that seems to be about it from my end. Anything else you guys got to add on there? Uh, I've got nothing. Shauna left the room for a minute. I think she went to the bathroom or something. Uh, I will take a... I will take a minute to say that back for Collector's Corner, she now has glow-in-the-dark yarn, sir. That's pretty cool. Have you have you seen the pictures of this yet? I have seen the pictures of it, and I thank God that she hasn't tried swinging around from the squealing like Spider Man yet. <laughs> Honestly, who it, says I haven't? It started as a joke. She says to me, "It'd be really cool if this existed," and I was on Amazon ordering the Alpha Flight box set at the time, so I just looked it up and grabbed it without telling her. Duh. All right. All right, that's it pretty slow. It shows up and she's like, what the fuck? I'm like, this is the glow in the dark yard you asked for. He ordered So she's got another ball coming now with uh, the wild child figure, which should be here next week. Well, that sounds pretty fly, man. What do you want glow in the dark, mice? I want mice to glow in the dark. You want mice to glow in the dark? Okay. Do you want it to be like a coffee cozy that glows in the dark mice? Well, I would insinuate to drink my coffee in the dark. I've seen it happen. It has happened. Yeah. It has happened. I'll think. I'll, I'll think about. I'll think about something. But uh, yeah, as it stands, I want mice to glow in the dark. Perfect. Well, we'll figure out what the mice is uh, glowing on, and we will cut to a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. Oh yeah, babies. All right, and we are back with the review of the new Batman Soul of the Dragon. This is a really uh, nice and brand new touch on the DC Universe. Uh, Again, it's uh, brought together a lot of disco funk. Uh, It's got that uh, great action pack scenes. And uh, you know how it is with the Batman, keeping that, you know, kind of unfriendly company, that really a sense of obscurity in regards to pulling names together for grand adventures. And this one gives us exactly that, if not a little more than what we'd normally expect. Yeah, but a couple of really deep cuts throughout this, which I thought was really nice. Very deep cuts indeed. Um, a lot of the a lot of the references made were a lot of fun. They weren't uh, too pushy or anything like that. And uh, again, uh, delving into the whole arc of obscurity, this one's really got a lot to offer in regards to that. 
Well, we kick things off with the a very old school looking Warner Brothers and DC logo. Yeah, and it's bouncing around like um, like one of the classic films do with the logos and uh, going into various forms of uh, color and positioning. And they play off the Technicolor feel really well. Uh, this is when I realized that this movie is going to be a pain in the ass on my thumb because this is a fast-paced movie in some scenes. It really is. Again, um, when I mean obscurity, I mean like uh, pretty damn obscure. So you got to stop for a minute a couple of times and just be like, what kind of a name is this? Who is this character? And then you delve into the more complex details about the references they're making mention of, and you're just astonished by how deep they go with it, especially towards the uh, Cobra organization. And I'll actually get you to fill in some gaps as we go on this. Yeah, we missed it quite a bit. Oh. Well, that's the boss button's good for. Practice makes perfect. But, uh, we yeah, start, we... We start with the casino party. Good old-fashioned private island ownership. It makes you wonder whether or not we could be looking at a Morgan Edge-like character just with the basic surrounding we're given. And in this time frame, it's got that perfect feel fit to it, you know? You have uh, ominous characters playing a well-renowned uh, game of cards and uh, just going in on the intensity of it, how they utilize their mannerisms. It's just got a very 007 kind of feel to it. It's a great reference in regards to, like, generic uh, spy tales that are told over the Golden Age. Oh, yeah, especially as our waiter shows up. And, you know, he's got quite the fancy little gadget for your average waiter to copy a fingerprint. Honestly, I thought it was just a basic camera. And when it copped out the fingerprint printout, I was just, my jaw dropped. Right? I had Omega level interest peaked in this. I'm like, hey, I haven't seen shit like this at all. This is going to be fucking grand. So... Going in with this uh, fingerprint bit, um, he got it off uh, the spylight character that was sitting in the room. I'm guessing since he talked and had mannerisms of ownership of the place, that might have been the dude who owns the entire island, let alone the building. So given that it's a Caucasian dude, again, I'm leaning back in towards the Morgan Edge theory. So going in on that, he's uh, got uh, the run of the mill. Uh, so with this place, he can get in or on pretty much anywhere the entire ship egg. So uh, he winds up, um, you know, hitting up elevators, hitting up little uh, nooks and crannies, if you will, of uh, the place. So that way he can, let's see, what's the after here? Wow, there is quite a, there is quite a bit of a complexity just to the surroundings here. Oh, there's a hidden switch and reveals a safe uh, and actually just pretty much in the master setup. You know, you figure a guy trying to hide probably what's, um, if not the most pow like powerful possession you have uh, in that getup. And then you just hide it in the main office behind your picture. How fucking cliche is that shit? Right. Like, this guy's probably gone around everywhere and look at every, every little room and every shit like that. Who knows how long he's been there? But in the meantime, he did manage to change his attire, which is really cool, though. He got that classic uh, uh, black turtleneck uh, spy thing going on. I'm digging that. So he ends up uh, he ends up getting into the safe with your usual spy equipment, the combination cracker device. And um, inside here, uh, he's got just 
files, uh, dossiers, you know, uh, bits and bits and pieces of information. Of course, in the spy game, knowledge is power. So um, he comes across this strange photo, right? Uh, this thing catches his eye here, and uh, it's supposed to be a picture of, uh, I'm guessing, like a gator or some shit like that. So at that point in time, he's come out of the realization that, well, he, they know about this shit, but they got to know that they know about this shit. And it gets a little more complicated than that, uh, considering that he's now surrounded by four dudes and they're looking to just take the party scene from him. And uh, he goes to make an escape. Fucking grenade gets thrown at him, right? Ah, uh, shit, none of that. He just kicks it back in Buddy's face as he's out the window and he's safer than can be, I guess, for the position that he put himself in. Because the other guys, they're fucking crispy bacon, I'll tell you what. Yeah, that was a great uh, just overall fight scene, uh, complete with that mid-air grenade kick. Well, it was wild. The whole uh, eating the apple through it was pretty funny too. I kind of I kind of enjoyed that little added tidbit. Well, hey, if there's one way to always make your character look like a bit of a cocky asshole, it's make them eat an apple. Absolutely, kick like it was nothing. Uh, and then, of course, he parachutes down to a random yacht, which happens to be waiting with a couple yeah. of bikini girls that ask who he is. And honestly, I thought he was going to come out and say, Wayne, I'm Bruce Wayne. I honestly thought that would have been a super young Bruce Wayne. But when they said Richard Dragon, I was fine with it. I was totally fine with it because I still played out. Again, the familiarity factor, as well as that uh, suave and powerful character getting to that point, you know, just landing in a dream situation. And that's when we get some really cool stylized credits. Oh, yeah. Chinese kung fu fighting. Yeah, Shaft style. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's fucking, there's so much juking and jiving in this movie. Oh, man. I could not wait to get to the afros and the nappy spin kicks. And this is when we uh, cut back into a jungle mansion. Ooh. After the credits. So, uh, was- they have, who is, what is this guy's definitive name? Because throughout the movie, I didn't even bother to stop to look it up or look at the credits we for the name. I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out either, so I put the dude in white suit. It's something Faust, so I called him Faust because everything else was Jonan Faust, um, oh. October Faust, Wake Me Up When September Faust, and Jerry Faust. Oh, don't Jerry forget Faust. Faust. Come on, Mize. How can you forget about ha- Fausthausen? Fausthausen. That's, yeah. He is Fausthausen. I'm totally fine with Fausthausen here. So, uh, this Fausthausen fella, he's got a pretty cool dig set up there. Um, he ends up approaching uh, these uh, chamber doors, uh, being informed, uh, you know, by those guardian. It's... It's indescribable, man. Uh, their their getup over there is just far too much for the usual disco scene for uh, that shaft you can drive and kung fu shit. Oh yeah, they are straight up cartoon villainy over there. 
And he's a little too busy right now, the main bosses, to take Bowshausen's meeting. Shangolon Bonson. And shit just gets even more divine in there. You know, you go in that, it looks like a studio fucking apartment for a bedroom there. And he's being given this news. He was going to have a fun time with a lady of the evening, and that didn't pan out. That didn't mean that he couldn't have fun, though. Because directly after, the funniest shit ever, she just ended up leaving the door into another chamber, which he had another small room attached to that chamber so he could sit down and watch his captives be devoured by cobras. Now, Shauna just pulled up the name here for us. It's, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Schlangenfaust. Gesundheit. <laughs> I'm gonna keep calling him Fausthausen though. Yeah. Fausthausen. His name is Fausthausen for certain. So yeah, he gets this uh like I was mentioned earlier, and he gets this woman into the second chamber after he had initially he paid like her into drop. Yeah, Shauna pointed out that she looks like Jem from Gem of the Holograms. Oh, not to the snakes. To the snakes, she looked like fucking food. Right. <laughs> So she's getting in there. She's like, yo, this isn't cool. Let me out. And he's all like, nope, dance for me. And, well, I guess the communication went overly all awry. He got impatient, hit the snake button, and uh, he released a, a set of venomous cobras, uh, hungry ones at that. And as she pleaded and banged, he watched her uh, body, like, uh, convulse and wrench in agony as these snakes just went to town all over her. Yo, Death by o- snakes! Not only that, he held up a little white mouse, <laughs> yeah. and I'm pretty sure Fausthausen ate the mouse. I'm pretty sure, too. Alright, so... Oh, excuse me. So this whole time that this King Cobra sits there and watches this fucked up shit, does that mean that he was there when John Stewart's brother tried to roof him, set him, set him on fire, and throw him out a window, was, was he watch, Was he watching it when Joker and Harley made out in their mutated animal forms? And he's just sitting there watching, eating mice while all of this is going down. You realize you said John Stewart, right? <laughs> We're all John. We probably do it too. Damn it. <laughs> But no, uh, John Jones, pardon me. John Jones's brother tried to roofie him, set him on fire, and throw him out a window. Nobody related to John Stewart did it, but they probably will. Beagles might have done it. But this guy, King Cobra, is a fucking King Cuck. Yeah. And not only that, this hooker says that she had other appointments for that day. Other appointments, oh boy. Listen, if you don't let me go, I'm going to be late for my handy with Dr. Polaris. Not now. She's dead by snake, man. <laughs> death by snake. <laughs> that poor lady. Death by snake. That can't fucking, be good. Fucking fuck. Well, it's from there we cut to a nightclub in Gotham City. We get some of that funky music that Mize likes to jive to. Oh, yeah, man. Nice. Some fucking discotheque shit going down, brother. <laughs> he, he, he's he's hot and heavy. You know, all right. 
Oh, yeah. That fancy cat Richard Dragon's all looking around. He's looking for a way in and hoping to reach out to the owner of the vicinity. And uh, he happened to have stated this to the guard who does still, he still doesn't allow him entrance, you know. He's still like, yeah, no, you can just shove right the fuck off. And uh, Buddy's all like, no, you're going to let me through. And this, this bouncer willingly just, he's like, yo, don't fuck with me. I know karate. Just, yeah, he just came out and said, "Don't fuck with me, man. I know karate." This Hulk Hogan-looking motherfucker. The look Dragon gives him is, "Oh, that's cute." Let's. Uh... <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna look at a slim Asian dude and tell him you know karate, and <laughs> you just stepped into a Jet Li. You stepped into a Jet Li movie. What are you doing? <laughs> the payoff to the scene is even better because Richard Dragon says, no, let's not fight in the street. Let's go to that alleyway over there. Let's the giant bouncer go in first and just locks the gate. Yeah. And then the guys <laughs> like you why would you why would you trust the guy you're challenging to a fight? Like um, don't you think that somebody smaller would be like, yeah, go ahead first so I can take the first shot and get at you. No, like you'd want him to go in first. I kind of thought there was going to be more snakes come out. Just (laughs) more snakes. (laughs) That's all his desk was. Just he he locks you in a room or in a like a little uh, alley, and he just he just throws snakes at you. Every scene just ends with snakes (laughs) popping out. All right, so you got to get in here. What a throne thrown at you, man! But what's weird is this now establishes Richard Dragon as not only a fantastic hand-to-hand combat artist, but it now shows how intelligent he is with his surroundings. His focus on environment is uh, unparalleled in this feature because he adapts to an urban environment like he's been there his whole life, and uh, that was just that was just you know uh, smart attention. Uh, he's uh, very tactile, which is a really good. And, you know, this allows him to just go in as uh, Bruce is being dumped by Silver St. Cloud. Yeah, was that totally Silver St. Cloud? It was, it was in the credits. Yeah, he said but I didn't look at the credits. Yeah, in the closing credits, it said Silver St. Cloud. Uh, She's going going on about no matter what kind of appeal Bruce lays on, you know, what uh, no matter what the message is he's trying to say, she feels as though Bruce is still hiding something, some form of dark secret. Like, bitch, you are dumping the richest man in Gotham because you think he needs to hide something from you? But still, like... She's She's not wrong. She's dating the most richest, most... uh, Eligible. Wanting, wanted... uh, Um... Bachelor, there is in Gotham. Okay, and that's what she's worried about. Hold on, let's stop with that title. He's always called the most richest, handsome, eligible bachelor in Gotham. Uh-huh. What about the rest of the U.S.? Well, maybe not, but she lives in Gotham, so she's no, going who, to see who outranks Bruce Wayne in the U.S. I can in DC's U.S. Me, baby. Mize, you you look like Puck. Yeah, but you know who doesn't look like Puck? 
Bruce Wayne. So, uh, Mai's one, yeah, Bruce Wayne, not one. And anything that's Brandon Rouse, except for fuck you, the rookie that took me took <laughs> him away from us. Yes, I'm a little sour. John's a little mad at the show The Rookie because it has been announced that Brandon Routh has been moved over to there. And that's what took him away from Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. Oh. After Bruce was dumped by Silver Saint Cloud, Richard Dragon just <laughs> happens to walk in. Such a such a casual time to do it too, you know. And uh, Bruce, he just seems so like emotionally stable for a guy who just got dumped by a woman that he seemed to really enjoy the company of. And they were together forever. <laughs> well, for, yeah, for her. Served by her. I don't know, maybe a year. He's probably still with Catwoman on the side. <laughs> Burn. What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean, Silver? Bruce, we've been together a year and my hair's gray. Do you think they call me silver because I'm loaded or because my hair's actually silver? No, you turned my hair gray, Bruce. You're starting to kill me. <laughs> well, Richard walks into Bruce's apartment, and lo and behold, they do know each other, and we get our first of many, many, many fucking flashbacks in this film. Oh my god, is it like the movie of flashbacks? This they is- happen so... Uh, so constant uh, like you go we need this person okay I'm going okay, to see this person fucking right. flashback alright we need to go here there's a reason to have a flashback for that too guys I'm going to subway fucking flashback <laughs> with Terry he's not even part of the film but he's there going on a subway run Wait a minute <laughs> I have something to tell you about a flashback well that calls for a flashback <laughs> So uh, we end up uh, doing the flashback uh, to the mountains of Tibet where uh, Bruce is climbing through um, during uh, during the period of his training um, when he managed to get into and train in Nanda Parbat. Uh, he knocked, he knocked, he waited for somebody to answer the door to no avail. And um, by the time he had uh, given up his patience, turned around and left, the door is just, you know, not passively, aggressively whatsoever opened up for him. Uh, he's greeted by their elder monk in uh, Nander Parbat, and he says to Bruce, the door to destiny is open to everyone brave enough to walk through. Well, that is sound and solid advice for somebody who can actually get the fucking door open to walk through to begin with, which case See, is was locked, which was why he was fucking knocking so goddamn much. See, I thought that was a monk until I realized it was a sensei. Oh, well, sensei. Well, same thing in a monastery like Nanda Parbat. But wouldn't sensei be more of a, like, a... He takes the duties of both. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, just because he's a monk doesn't mean he can't be a teacher. And this is where Oh, sensei actually uh, gives us a quick introduction to everyone that Bruce will be training with. Uh, they do include Lady Shiva... Ben Turner, who we know as the Bronze Tiger, uh, Jade Nguyen, who we know as Cheshire, uh, Rip Jagger, Mize, I'm going to need you to go in a little deeper on him for me, as well as Richard Dragon. Let's see. 
Rip. Rip. I'm pretty sure Rip was the only guy in the DC universe nobody gave a shit about. Because I have no fucking clue who this guy is. Uh, when they said I initially thought they said Rick and I'm like is that Rick Flag Jr? Uh, Yeah I totally would not mind that whatsoever if Rick Flag Jr you know outside of his missions you know just needed a you know a means to find inner peace um, a better discipline um, a way to try to forgive himself for the decisions he's made regardless of the orders given that would have made a little more sense to me, but no, they added some dude who's named like a kid who would do a fucking uh, fishing under the bridge YouTube show. Yeah, but these are the students that uh, Bruce will now be training with uh, as he starts asking about a mystery door towards the end of the valley. Uh, oh, Sensei basically ignores him about that. And says to him, you know, from here on, you know, you can walk out anytime you want. But Bruce insists that he won't quit at anything and he is here to stay. And given his determination uh, for the knowledge he seeks in order to fight the evil in Gotham City, of course he's going to need to stay for that sort of thing. So we're not so much just on a Batman movie, but we're actually looking uh, to learn on characters that we don't see all that much focus on uh, on a constant basis so it's nice to you know delve into uh, those lesser known names uh, that don't necessarily stem from a suicide squad title uh it's nice to you know get in touch with uh, the cobra organization and uh, the dc universe um any format really because uh, it's just nice to have that kind of a I guess that army mentality kind of thing, uh, uh, stuff like uh, Hydra and AIM has, uh, just that group and mob mentality going in. Uh, a lot more stemming from the characters as well. I mean, like, Shiva gets brought up so often, but actually utilized in such a creative format is uh, just really great storytelling. And this is actually the same voice actress for Shiva as did her in the, uh, the Suicide Squad uh, the animated film, Sean, was it the uh, Escape from Arkham one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Escape from Arkham? That shit yeah. was dope. Shiva voice. And Batman Arkham. And Batman Arkham. I'm fairly certain we got the classic Deadshot voice for that one as well, too. Like the one we knew from the cartoons and shit. And speaking of voices, actually Michael J. White reprising his role from Arrow as a bronze tiger for this. Yeah, that was actually a huge kicker. I did not expect uh, that kind of twist there. I didn't delve into uh, the casting details for it. So seeing his name up there was a big shocker and it was just a, a welcome like inclusion into the creativity taken. He made a great bronze tiger for this. Well, this is when we come back to our present day, and uh, Richard Dragon is informing Bruce that, hey, someone has the gate, and he needs some help with it. Ooh. Uh, he even call, uh, is able to pull on a certain book and call out Bruce's uh, back computer surveillance that he has on Wayne Casino. 
Absolutely. Bruce had stated that, you know, he wasn't into doing that kind of thing. He has enough on his plate and he doesn't want to delve into anything too dangerous in case Gotham needs his help, uh, in case, you know, the club needs his help. But he knows good and well that Bruce isn't, you know, that simple of a guy. So he takes the gander onto the bookshelf. He pulls on the right title and bam, the back computer's just sitting there. Far out shit is all over the screens. He's listening in on drug deals, uh, various other kinds of exchanges done at uh, his properties. And he gets to act on them, all while dressed up like a vigilante that uh, Richard Dragon seems to also know about. Yeah, but it doesn't put two and two together, at least not quite yet. As uh, we cut down to the casino, we have some random Sub-Zero-looking Raiden ninjas attacking. Yeah, these guys were uh, all set up on uh, getting uh, Richard Dragon, as it would appear that uh, the clues so far gathered in common uh, revolve around uh, loose ends, in which case um, Richard Dragon happens to be an unlucky one of those. So sneaking along into Bruce's club, being singled out by these guys, uh, we get our first little hint of uh, like really cool kung fu action in a nightclub. Um, you get all kinds of different environments for kung fu fightings. I always enjoy like nightclub style kung fu fights. Very shaft like, um, you know, very uh, Quentin Tarantino feelish. So it was a good way to kick off that interaction. <laughs> And we are going to cut to another flashback, but we are actually going to take this chance to cut to a quick commercial break and come back with yet another flashback. Yeah. Do you want your ad here? Contact at ClownyJ or Mize1987 and DM them, letting them know you want to advertise on the DC Creature Features. Oh, yes, sweet babies, and we are kicking those fine lines once again with our smooth sailings and our silver tongues. We are here to present you with even more flashbacks than ever before. Oh, yeah. That's right. This flashback is now uh, the punch the stone lesson. Uh, Osensei's got a bunch of rocks uh, on some planks over some fire pits, and he's saying, you know, break the stone with your fist. Yeah, everyone's all set up. They're believing it's uh, an impossibility just as much as uh, their sensei does, actually. So, of course, he lets them know, you know, I'm going to try to break the stone. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty much it. So they get to work and they start punching the ever-loving shit out of this rock over fire. Their hands, after a short period of time, must have been both cooked and tenderized, all in the same fluent motion. Yeah, basically right away, though, uh, both Shiva and Jade are like, fuck this noise, we're not doing it. Absolutely, though they did, however, at the very least, try by giving it a good couple shots, just to see if they would make any breakthroughs uh, going into the rock. Unfortunately, they did not, and, you know, I wouldn't want to stick around and give that a try further than I should have to anyway. But then male pride and ego takes over the other four, and they go to town on these fucking things. Oh, yeah, they don't give a fuck. So all of them are going at it. All of them are bloodying their knuckles open, their skins very much tearing off uh, their own hands, uh, trying to get these rocks busted. Um, And finally, it just uh, comes down to Bruce overall, you know? Everyone else either couldn't take it or just didn't have the patience for it. 
Yeah, Rip uh, quits first. Then their fists start getting super bloody. Then Ben quits. And then eventually Richard gives in as well. Uh, before Bruce starts getting the lesson from O-Sensei. Of, uh, you, you have to accept what you can't change. Uh, meaning that, you know, he knows about Bruce's past. And the rock to him represents all villainy in Gotham. You break the rock, you've got two pieces. You smash it down, you still have pebbles. No matter what you do, there will still be remnants of villainy everywhere you look. And not and just so much remnants, but it's just going to it's just going to remain. It's going to constantly be forever, no matter what shape it takes. Uh, and not to do tasks alone. You will always need a family at your side. Yeah, it would seem that uh, even the sensei had to learn the hard way. Uh, that was a lesson that's uh, mandatory to maintain. Uh, this one we cut back into the present, back into the Gotham nightclub, when the lights go out and the Batman appears. Oh boy, is it a sight to behold, you know? Uh, not only are we getting this sick disco-ass fight in the center of this nightclub, but now the party has just started uh, banging. Uh, the Batman has made the scene, and asses have been suddenly handed out to throughout their respective ownerships. Uh, definitely. Uh, and this one we cut back to uh, Evil Guy Island, as I put it. Oh, yes, sir. And uh, Homeboy gets axed, we'll say. Yeah, it wasn't a... It wasn't very pretty. Yeah, you know, whenever you got to report into the boss that your mission has failed, it's never a good idea. Absolutely. It's just shunk. Right in the bits. Before we come back to, uh, we're now in the Batmobile, and Richard's flat out asking Bruce about the costume. Absolutely. And that Bruce... Uh, maintains the premise of needing to keep the identity secret. The importance of that is um, one of the most important above all else, uh, especially when it comes to the safety of uh, those uh, you care about most, those involved in your life, uh, protecting them from the dangers that you're putting yourself in front of. And well, speaking of dangers, uh, Richard fills Bruce in a little more on what's going on and what uh, they exactly need. And apparently they need Shiva because of her important sword and her flashback. Of course, we have another tale to be told. Um, we are back at a ceremony held uh, where the one of the students would be presented with the sword known as the Soul Taker. Um, and despite everyone else's uh, progress and disciplines, uh, the sword is then awarded to Shiva. Um, some believe that she doesn't deserve it over them, and uh, there was a bit of her test to go down. And uh, from there, um, the since they thought it would be a good idea just for them to show why they deserve uh, these honors as opposed to uh, Shiva getting them over them. So hey, there was you're, a. You're jumping ahead a little bit here, Ami. I've got a few points to make here. Uh, one, if you're going to use the Soul Taker sword, where's Katana? That does become her blade. Oh. Well, that's not, that's not jumping ahead. That's just a good question. Uh, also, also, as O-Sensei is telling the story of the Soul Taker sword, 
he mentions the master Muramasa, which Marvel fans will know the Muramasa blade is the only one that can leave a permanent scar on someone like Wolverine. Absolutely. I think it was, uh... oh man. I can't remember whether or not it was made like, uh, or at the very least, laced with the same metal used to uh, bond uh, to Omega Red to combat the Wolverine. Uh, that and it's made with uh, binded with Logan's DNA as well. Oh, that would make sense. Okay. Marvel has a funny way of doing their weapons. So to hear that name pop up in the DC film uh, really popped me. Uh, if you're a fan of Asian culture and the Muramasa blade is actually something in sword culture, feel free to reach out and let me know my ignorance. There's a ton of variations that people utilize the name Miramasa for, both uh, the person who uh, wielded as well as uh, the blade itself. Um all the way back to its uh, forged origins and uh, even using video game culture too for a really uh, pop out, like a really stand out kind of detail. Uh, it's all Miramasa is all over the place, uh, but uh, more, more well recognized by uh, how Jake was making mention of like uh, the Marvel stuff earlier on, because of those Wolverine arcs at the time when he gets his memory back, when they discover ways to actually affect his uh, mortality that shit, that's prime storytelling right there. Well, going back to the Soul Taker's sword, uh, it is being bestowed upon Shiva instead of Katana for whatever reason. But uh, Cheshire is jealous as fuck about this. Uh, but she deflects it by saying, you know, why isn't Rip the, or, uh, Rick the one getting the sword? Yeah, and since it's all like, well... Rip, you want you want a shot to take the sword home, buddy? And he's like, I, don't, I wouldn't mind a shot to take the sword home, sure. So he thought that, well, this would be a good reason to show why I thought Shiva was a good idea to award the sword to, and now Rip's going to make his case by showing his reason rather than telling it. And uh, there's a nice little sparring session between both Shiva and Rip. Uh, they went at it um with a lot of determination there's a lot of cool maneuvering in it and uh, it's a was a great little segment to show why shiva was in fact the correct choice to wield the soul taker yeah at the very last moment osensei says to her oh by the way you're only allowed to use one finger for this entire fight oh that's right that was absolutely huge like she punched him with a fingertip yo not only that but as he charged at her uh, she was able to duck his impact and fish hook his mouth and dragged him to the ground with it. Like his own momentum just pulled back on him and he flew. Like it was probably the most devastating fish hook in the history of fish hooks. And she follows that up by like straight up poking him in the Adam's apple. Nothing lethal, nothing overly dangerous, but uh, just a show of control over your maneuvers. Uh, and it's with that that she's, of course, awarded the sword. Shows her determination, shows her strength, her skill, and it, it goes to show why she's well-deserving as like a walking weapon uh, for a title. 
Um, so we cut back to uh, Chinatown in Gotham there, and uh, the store that the uh, fellows, uh, Bruce and Richard, are happening to stumble into just so happens to be a format of entertainment that may or may not be of a legal base in the form of an underground fighting ring in Chinatown, Gotham. Hey, the, the first thing about underground fighting rings in Chinatown, Gotham, is you don't talk about underground fighting rings in Chinatown, Gotham. No, so I think I think you're thinking of the B movie. Yeah, we don't talk about the B movie. We don't talk about the B movie. The rule, first rule of B movie, you don't talk about B movie. All right. Well, the contents hidden within the shop uh, are means to host these illegal events hosted by Shiva, who runs, well, all of the criminal activity known, I guess, in the east side of Gotham in this period, which is uh, a huge accomplishment even still. Uh, one of the fighters currently competing, um, he uses um, he uses outside uh, you know foreign objects uh, to win his fight. He cheats. There is no honor behind his victory, and uh, this is something that upsets Shiva. Uh, not Shiva, sorry. Wow, Shiva, quite a lot. He also gloats quite a bit, which brings dishonor to her house. Yeah, like why are you winning? Why are you winning about uh, like uh, going on about a win that? really holds no valor to it whatsoever you caught a dumbstruck opponent with a blind with a blind shot well this is when she's like you know what i've got winner and she makes an absolute fool out of this guy oh no yeah like this man's body snaps like a beast wars action figure fresh out of the package it was a, an absolute shit show for this guy right after his round. You know, he got cocky and he got spun like a fucking yo-yo. Yo, I remember having that problem. When you get one of those quick change transformer beast wars that you just flick the tail and the transform, uh, the springs would do the rest. Those things, you would have to put them back together one or two times before it really got into it. Yeah, that was kind of the annoying part about it. And every snap wasn't a bad snap, but it still gave you that fucking shock, which was really just inconvenient. Well, this is when the uh, the fight wraps up for her as she fucking goes back to the throat. She loves this move, but she puts like three fingers into the guy's throat. Yeah, we're talking like legit shiving his Adam's apple with three fingers, Giggity. She finger-banged his throat. She finger-banged his throat. What is it with you, DC Universe, and doing weird shit? God dang it. Oh, man. This stuff's giving my head a turn. Yeah, Bruce and Richard saw this entire thing uh, go down, and that's when the ninjas attack. Yeah, Bruce and Richard thought they were going to be next on the chopping block just because of Shiva's mannerisms, but it turns out it was for their protection as she put two down behind them. And uh, behind them did, in fact, uh, stand Dr. Fausthausen and uh, the rest of the Ninja Brigade kicking around there. So everybody's joining the party, and uh, now it's a brand new fucking uh, setting for another ninja fight, another discotheque ninja fight. Oh, man. I hope they're ready for some Honky Kong. Well, this is one actually has a goal in mind, as it's all about capture the flag, as they want Shiva's sword. Yeah, they are 
mad about this uh, tool of destruction here. So they are fighting tooth and nail to get through uh, Bruce, Richard, and Shiva. Um, and to their surprise, things didn't exactly go their way. Uh, even with uh, the oddly placed uh, Fausthausen with them. Yeah, and uh, they do get away uh, into a limo, which causes quite an awesome car chase. I fucking love the high-speed chase that went down throughout this. Um, one party goes down, and the other one just springs into action nearly right off the bat from there, and it just resets the handicap to a more suspenseful point each and every time. I fucking loved every little bit of it. Yeah, to break down some of it, uh, you know, the bad guys are able to pull off quickly before the Batmobile gets to them. We got cops chasing after Batman, who's using an old school grapnel hook to swing his uh, direction around. Cops crashing into each other. Shiva's like, you know what? Fuck this. I've got them inside. And she uses a goddamn ejector seat. Yeah, she is like, oh my god, is this the greatest button I always wanted to push all my life? And they're like, no. Shiva, don't fucking push the giant Reese's buttercup button. Don't do it. Don't hit the giant Reese's button. Hit the giant Reese's. Don't hit the giant Reese's button. And she flew. And of course, I have an immediate flashback to last week's episode, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, with the push every button scene. <laughs> so imagine we're still watching Batman versus TMNT, right? And Mikey's just hitting buttons, and one of the buttons ejects. Uh, Shiva in a different universe. The next button, the next button throws the baby over the bridge in year one. There's a button in the Batmobile just to toss the baby over a bridge. I push that button. Oh my god! There is a button there that um, just causes supervillains to walk through a door, and it's just Doctor Polaris walking into the bathroom over and over again. There's no oh. limit to the buttons in that specific Batmobile at this point. Oh, well, after she rocket seats out, uh, Batman's like, you know what? The next on ramp is through this park, and he hits a hill to catch up with them before a goddamn helicopter with a motherfucking magnet comes by. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're like, do you want to pack a plasma cannon? No. Some RPGs? Nope. Well, sniper rifles? No, man. I want a fucking magnet. Why do you want a magnet? I want to know how they work. Ha! Oh, man. You beat me to it. They got everything in this movie. Water, fire, air, and earth. But this, a giant fucking magnet? How do they work? Well, this is when they decide it's time for a flashback. I mean, it's time for Ben Turner. Oh, fuck, baby. They may oh. have gotten away with the goods, but they're going to get somebody who knows what's good. Oh, yeah. And it's time for that flashback as... Uh... You know, all the students are sitting down for dinner and Jade starts asking about the forbidden door. And he's all like, well, maybe one day you'll I'll be able to tell you. As one day it may be your destiny. And that just kind of sets an ominous overtone, you know? 
And, you know, uh, from there, Ben Turner does decide, you know what, I want some seconds on dinner. Goes up and Bruce had grabbed himself the last bowl. Oh, man. That better not be the last bowl. The last bowl of rice. Well, unfortunately it is, but, you know, Bruce being Bruce does offer to share with him. But Ben isn't having none of that. Big boy's got to have his yum-yums, you know? Yeah, and decides, you know what? I'm just going to beat your ass over this rice. And so they they go at it. Uh, And quite brutally at that, uh, you know, Bruce doesn't stay down at all being Bruce. Uh, Pretty much pulling the Captain America, I could do this all day routine. Yeah, like... Ben handed him an ass whipping, the likes of which had never been seen before, just at a dinner table. And Bruce was having none of it. Neither of them were having any of it. Apparently, neither of them needed any of it because they just laughed it off after and walked it off like chance. Over a goddamn bowl of white rice. That had to have been like the biggest fucking bowl of rice you'd ever seen. And the best rice, too. Like, I've had rice. It's rice. You, you guys don't even have butter on it. Oh, no, right? Isn't that some wild shit? Well, we do cut back to the present, and it does look like Ben owns his own dojo as we see a small child come out and start crying. Yeah. He was uh, upset that he wasn't getting it down, you know, that he wasn't learning as fast as he'd like. And he thought that was going to be it for him. But, you know, Ben was the cool dude, sat down with him, and was all like, listen, Turkey, you better shut your shit or I'm going to kick your ass, you know? Not a fucking pile driver. Then you're going to believe in yourself because you're going to be like, oh, shit, Coach gave me a pile driver. Well, luckily for me, I know spin kicks and shit. Then you're going to believe in yourself again. And that's apparently how black karate works. Yeah, he does talk the kid up and makes him feel a little better about himself uh, before our crew of the three ninjas show up. And it's time for another flashback. Oh, boy. Another tale to be told there as uh, all the kids are just, you know, laying down for their evening snooze. And they decide to converse about what the mystery behind the doors could be. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, everyone's sleeping in the same room. They've all got their own beds, but they're speculating about what's behind the door. Uh, having a little fun with it, joking around. Uh, ben thinks it's a jacuzzi. I think it's a jacuzzi. Like shit. Whereas Bruce actually has a great <laughs> by calling it a track. Well, yeah. Why focus on it if you're not ready for it, right? Uh, they, you know, end up falling asleep, but Jade and Rip go missing together in the middle of the night. Yeah, I guess both of them wanted to check out the whole deal behind the door thing, but uh, nobody really bothered taking notice to it. They just took off and didn't come back up until a large clap of thunder hit the sky. And by clap of thunder, I mean, like, the screams of bloody murder going throughout the air in the middle of the night. Yeah, these uh, eternal gates are unlocked. And we peer in as Rip has the soul sword, and he killed a motherfucker. He kills Jade. Yep, Cheshire is dead before his feet as uh, 
it would seem that it was a means to get to the inner parts of the gate that lay before him now. And, you know, uh, apologies to Cheshire 2 and to Artemis. You are never born in this universe. Yep. No penis for mom. I'm sorry. So, despite pleas, um, a demonic entity known as the Naga convinces Rip to open the gate. Um, the very thing that he was there for that got Jade killed and uh, that the Naga was going to bestow great power on him. But little did he know, Rip's body was going to be used as a, I guess, a temporary vessel or just an overall vessel for the spirit of the Naga in general. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm laughing because uh, knowing he was only called the Naga, every time in my book, I've got it written as Naga Nooch. Uh, snake eyes, swing. Absolutely fantastic. So Naga Nooch wants to take over Rip's body as a vessel. That sounds way cooler. Right? Yeah, I like that. So it's and, the spirit of the Naga Nooch. And his servant is the Fausthausen. Yeah. I'm, like, this story just keeps getting way cooler, right? So the gate takes a soul to open uh, and a sacrifice to close. So um, it would appear that... Uh, the gate was opened by the soul that was taken from Jade. Uh, from there, the sensei came along, um, and he sacrifices himself to get the door closed, of course, overall. They need yeah, to the yeah, they need to uh, cut off the Naga spirit from uh, the mortal realm, otherwise it's going to be all hell on Earth. Yeah, as O-sensei's doing that, there's a bunch of motherfucking snake monsters coming out. Yeah, just a just a fraction of the power that uh, the spirit of the Naganage has. Uh, one snake uh, gets poked in the eyes. Another one gets beheaded. Uh, one gets curb stomped, and another gets tauntauned, as I put it, as his belly is sliced open. But these are bad demonic mofo's that come out of there. So you don't ever want to open them gates, otherwise someone's going to die, in which case another snake thing is going to come out, and then you're going to die because he's going to need your buddy. Yeah, this is where uh, O-Sensei does sacrifice himself to close the gate, uh, much to everyone's dismay, of course. Absolutely. Jeez, um, uh, from that point, uh, everything, I guess, just started coming apart. The gate was used, uh, the power rattled and overwhelmed the structural integrity of, uh, of the cavern that it was in. And it started coming down. And we come back to the present and, uh, you know, King Cobra and Snakehausen have a bunch of children that they've kidnapped that they're going to sacrifice. Absolutely. They've then since arrived to be able to take the gate and now they have everything that they need to uh, convert, to commit to the rituals to free the power of the Naganooch spirit. And we cut on board to the, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne's personal jet, and it's time to put together a plan. Absolutely. They are on their way to Cobra headquarters as we speak. Um, they were, of course, uh, just going over uh, certain battle plans, certain details, whether or not the Sentinel could dodge bullet, which I'm fairly certain even that even he could. 
I'm fairly certain they could. Um, oh, quite possibly. So they're talking about the precision they need to be able to land in an area that they're not going to be shot down in, that they can land safely from. Um, so this is like pinpoint precision landing they're needing because um, they may be going into an open space, but it's only open so much. So you have to be very delicate with your tail and where you're going to land here. Um, so it's only got like a 10 or 10 meter like radius or something like that. It's not like a big space there. I'd, I'd have to rewatch it again so I can get the measurement from it. But, 10 uh, foot. It, it is? It is 10 foot? 10 foot, yes. Imagine that. Eh? Imagine how difficult that must be, uh, especially for warriors of that caliber who just go like go under these conditions. They're still going to like be rocky and not perfect about it, but the fact that they managed to make it in there was just astounding. Um. Ben went to, Ben also, uh, before, you know, jumping out into this uh, landing site, he, Ben tells the tale of uh, hunting down Cobra operations, how each time he hit up a Cobra cell, it took him higher up in the food chain. Um, wait, 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 Mize, you're, you're telling me it's time for another flashback? Oh, yes, bro. This is, a, this is a tale told on the plane. So, yeah, it happens to cut back to him, you know, just kind of a bit of a montage of doing so. So we're in another flashback again. That's cool. That's right. It is the tale of Ben Turner as the Bronze Tiger. And sweet Christmas, does that look familiar? Absolutely. Uh, he's got that Luke Cage appeal to him. And, again, he's hunting down various Hydra cells. He's taking up higher up in the ladder. Um, all to get information um, as to just their overall operations. He's become a huge thorn in their side uh, because he happens to have noticed that he's built up a reputation. Um, and he does point, start setting up one of those yarn boards where you start attaching the pictures with the yarn to see who's connected to who. And did you notice the picture of Vic Sage, the question? I didn't see that picture, no. No, on well, his yarn board, which is something that the question is very known for making himself. There is a picture of the question on the board. Oh, well, that's totally badass. Uh, I'll definitely go have a second look at that. So um, he's looking for uh, he's looking for the head of the Cobra organization, so he can kill him. You know that's why he knows where they need to go to to be able to get to him. Um. And at this time, he thought he was going to be killing this, you know, regular age guy, Jeffrey Byrne or something, whatever. And when he finally hit this target, it's just this little kid and he couldn't fucking kill a kid. So he dipped out, let him live, and now they're in this situation. Um, so the morale of killing the Cobra kid was definitely a, a high point of their uh, debates while they were up in the sky. Um I laughed so hard when they're like, yeah, I couldn't kill the kid. And then Shiva's like, I would have. Yeah, just right off the bat. All of a sudden, you know, Mikey hits a random button, launches the baby. Launches the baby. It's perfect. I definitely want to see a video of that. Michelangelo hitting random buttons in the Batmobile and just various scenes from other cartoons and animated uh, projects uh, just happening. Well, this is when Richard Dragon tells Bruce to put on his other costume, uh, signaling he should become the Batman, and when we should take our next commercial break.
Definitely. And when we come back, everybody's going to be down on the island. Everybody's going to be saving the day. But most importantly, everybody's going to be Kung Fu fighting. Hey, folks, do you like fun recipes and delicious food? Are you a health conscious person or someone who may be celiac? Well, check out the Twitter account Gluten's the Devil for fun recipes and delicious food on almost a daily basis. That's Gluten's the Devil at Twitter. All right, we are back and our heroes are in midair parachuting through. And one by one, they are able to get through this small target cave. Totally amazing precision on that part there. They managed to make it into the cavern of the Cobra Isle. And uh, things seem to be off to a swimming start, at least until... um, their first stop on their road to uh, succession there. They are stopped by uh, Fausthausen, and uh, Fausthausen is uh, ready to dish out some good old-fashioned whooping. Not by any kung fu standards, he just wants to dish out some whoopings, and everybody laughs at him, but you don't laugh at a guy who can do DNA stuff and his name be Faust, so this, uh, turns into a, this turns into a bit of a freak show fast, as uh, Fausthausen turns out to be a snakeman. Yeah, motherfucking snake hands. Yeah, he's got that. He's got every little bit of it from uh, their swiggly swaggly to their all the way down to their regeneration, really. So, all forms of uh, various uh, effects and capabilities from uh, the reptilian genome he has in him. So, uh, our uh, Cobra commander uh, during uh, this little meet and greet, though, he has the soul taker and he tends to free the Naga. Used children to get sacrificed for it. So the gang needs to get through this and they need to get through it fast. So uh, they all just start going at Faust uh, from there and his creepy powers, whatever have you. And uh, they manage to get an arm severed off them, which is uh, pretty good, right? Or do you remember when I said he has like the reptilian genome in him and he can regenerate? And not only can he regenerate, his arm can regenerate too. So he's got that Kazarnian capability in him, and it regenerates a lizard man from him. Yeah, complete scary lizard man monster that also knows Kung Fu. Isn't that fucking wild shit? Just like a random-ass, scientifically engineered lizard person. And he's just immediate, given immediate like life form capability. That is also where uh, we cut up to the top and, you know, King Cobra himself sends his two lieutenants that we finally learned their names. Uh, it is Lady Eve and King Snake. Oh, yeah. And uh, King Snake is actually voiced by the English voice actor who does Dio Brando and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So another JoJo reference. Chalk that up on the board. But yeah, um, luckily enough for the party, though, the best they have to offer is set up against these two in Shiva and Richard Dragon. So while the Batman and the Tiger, they take care of uh, the Snakeman, um, you got, you know, your more lethal weapons up on high ground ready to go. Yeah, and there'd be uh, karate fighting everywhere. Absolutely. Everyone was kung fu fighting as we get to start seeing some good encounters there. Um, the Shiva's all up in the face of Lady Eve, you know, giving it their all. And then we got a very interesting encounter between uh, between Richard Dragon and uh, King Snake. 
Yeah, Lady Eve was going to be Shiva's target strictly because her wardrobe offends her. I mean, you've seen that shit. She looks like, what's her name? The, the girl who did the backstage interviewing for Monday Night Raw last Monday. I did not watch. Oh my god, dude. This woman looked so techno music video, it was scary. I thought she looked like uh, Viper from The Wolverine. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. She does kind of have that to her. I'll give her that much. Um, so, post these two going out of there, I really enjoyed uh, the focus that they put into the Richard Dragon of the King Snake fight. The whole uh, him using his hearing and um, Richard uh, kind of getting pummeled at first and then utilizing the sounds around him to be able to maneuver properly in the fight. It was uh, just gold standard stuff. I really liked seeing that encounter. Well, cutting back into the underground fight, uh, Snake Hands should be dead as Bronze Tiger causes an entire column to fall down on the back of his skull. You would think so, right? Like, uh, this guy is... You can just keep pounding away. This guy just keeps coming back. And uh, luckily enough, uh, Batman had uh, some flammable chemicals hidden in this uh, spray in his belt. Well, you know, Mace isn't going to do a whole lot if your opponent who can't see doesn't need to see to begin with. No, you got to start that puppy up. You know, you got to get that barbecue going. So uh, being able to have immediate access to a torch, uh, Ben manages to take a torch in the aerosol can and do away with both uh, Wiggly Arms, Fausthausen, and his Snakeman counterpart. Uh, Fall from here, we cut back up to Shiva fighting Lady Eve. Uh, it's a nice little sword fight. You know, Shiva's got the one against her, too. Uh, gets down to a one-on-one for the swords, but Lady Eve chops uh, Shiva's weapon away from her, uh, which she kind of mocks her for a second before Shiva's got this badass moment where she says that she is the weapon and uses the palm of her blade, or palm of her hand, to chop away at Lady Eve's sword, completely breaking it and taking her ass down. Yeah, Shiva is more than just a, a lethal force in the present-day comics. Uh, her past is even, uh, if not just as deadly as she is. She's day in and out, one of the best hand-to-hand combatants of the DC Universe. So, uh, Batman's all freed up uh, from this fight here, same with Ben. And uh, he manages to help by uh, freeing the child from uh, King Cobra once he starts to get backed into a corner. Richard and Shiva won their respective fights, so they're all freed up and ready to go. We didn't talk about how Richard wins his fight yet. Yeah, he uses the sound. Yeah, uh, you know, completely blind opponent, tossing them stones uh, even into the lake as a distraction. Yeah, that's how he manages to maneuver around him. It's, it was a totally cool encounter. Uh, I cannot stop advocating for uh, how intelligible Richard was during this fight, especially during someone with so much expertise and capability to control their uh, main fundamental uses of their body. And this is when Cobra, uh, you know, realizes his back is literally against the wall. Yeah, he's backing it up. He's got the kid. He's pulling the whole classic, I got a hostage, don't come any closer bit. And uh, 
Batman, he manages to get the child away from him. So he's all safe. Cobra's got nobody. So he seems to think that because, you know, Cobra has nobody else that that's not going to open the gate because to open the gate, you need to offer up a soul for it. And um, King Cobra does exactly that still. He offers up his own soul by backing up to the door and giving through him all the ways that the blade uh, comes out his other side and right between uh, the door slit there and thus uh, creating an opening for uh, the Naga spirit, the Naganuchi spirit. Yeah, uh, you know, brilliant tactic at the very end for King Cobra. Definitely. Like, uh, it's definitely one of those, I'm not going back to prison kind of things. You know, you're not going to take me alive, copper. And, well, he puts himself at risk for it, believing that the Naga spirit is grant like immortality and powers unbeknownst to those of regular men. But it's not a giant demon dragon as they all expected. Instead, Osensei walks out. Yep. That's pretty. That's all that comes out of there is just the old man. I guess he was closest to the door, so he emerged. But it wasn't without any complication, of course. Um, Sensei is possessed by the snake eating Naganuch. Uh, the Sensei comes out and he's ready to conquer the world, but the gang isn't going to allow that to happen. And, even with any form of uh, compassion and empathy towards the sensei, uh, they know what needs to be done. They know they need to fight him. And that does not turn out in the way that they thought it would whatsoever. They got absolutely trounced. Uh, until the Batman appears, in which the Naga Naga uh, then calls out, you know, uh, what do you have that your comrades don't? <laughs> A cape. A cape. It's madness. He actually blinded him, held him, and snapped his fucking neck and dropped him down. So oh, yeah. the Batman manages to the Batman manages to put him down. Me seeing Batman kill, basically, you know, attempt to murder the old man. Absolutely, he feels as though that if he kills a dead body, it doesn't count. No, it shows that you got it in you, buddy. It's yeah. There. Well, the Naga spirit now wants, you know, heals the body, basically. Yep, and he is back up and ready for round two. Like, he is strapped, jacked, ready to fuck. I wish she's like, you know what? This body's old. It's decrepit. Richard, buddy, you know, let's make a deal. Little did Richard know that the entire process was to he could actually body as it is apparent dragon's destiny is to be the the spirit of the naga is too much for the mize the call has dropped batman sound effect and we'll be right back Uh, we are back after that drop. Uh, we were talking about uh, how the Osensei Naga Naga Nooch spirit is trying to enter the body of Richard Dragon. Yeah, about how it was going on, about it's his destiny, about how they were looking for him as the perfect specimen the whole time. Apparently he was, you know, the best of them, as it were, for the Naga Naga Nooch spirit to take, to take control of. Um, and asked it, May it offered up a 
powers uh, and uh, you know just promises of like grandeur and delusions and all form of just absolute bullshit that the Naga Nooch would try to use to get Richard Drake to join them and let them use him as a vessel. Yeah, you know, this is where we get a, a classic kicking everyone's asses and the crew starts discussing amongst themselves, you know, uh, the prophecy states a sacrifice has to be made to close the gates. Which one of us is going to do it? And before they know it, Batman has already walked through the gates. No, oh, absolutely. Um, they managed to they managed to bring down the old geezer. Um, they run the soul taker through him. They get his soul out of there. Like the fight between the two was just monumental. Uh, you're gonna absolutely love this if you haven't seen it yet. I don't even know why you know you're listening to us for before watching it, but. If that's the case, even still, I gotta tell you, you're gonna fucking enjoy it for sure. Because that is one kung fu fight I will gladly watch over and over again. So, uh, once getting in there after arguing who's the most suitable for the sacrifice to close it, well, Bruce did in fact confront, got confronted with the truth that he's the least skilled one out of all of them. Okay, whatever. Uh, in which case, that just like, well, those three will do a better job of protecting the world from this than I will anyway, so why the hell not? Yeah, yeah, they decide, fuck you, we're following you through the gate. And the gate closes, and they're all like, well, I guess that means it's going to be up to us to, to beat this thing and just get back home then. Yeah, now, you know, we hear the call of the, the Naga Nooch spirit, the giant demon dragon monster. Batman gets a little smirk and says, just bring it. My blood starts pumping, thinking we're going to get to see the four of these guys go all fucking ham on a giant dragon. Yeah, baby, here it comes. Yeah, and they just fucking drop it and set the credits, right? It's just wild shit. They just completely, like, stopped it from that point. There's not even a post-credit scene to make up for, like, to show any kind of hope for this Batman's, for this universe's Batman. No, they start the floor they start the foreplay, they get us all hot and bothered. What do they do? They just fucking stop. Uh, hopefully, there is a sequel to this in the future because the story is not done being told. You cannot leave this one open-ended like that. I need to see Batman, Shiva, and DC's Heroes for Hire fight a giant dragon. It has to be done. It has to be. You can't just stop at that point. It was and honestly, for a new Marvel versus DC amalgam universe, this Bronze Tiger and Richard Dragon would be combined with Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Oh my goodness, yes. Like, their versions in this are nothing short of spectacular. They did a really good job in creating the characters in this fashion. Yeah, I definitely need to see more of this universe. Let's see more Kung Fu DC. Yeah, I'm definitely down for that. Uh, definitely down for the continuation of this story because, like you said, you know, it's definitely not done here. There's more to be told. There's answers to be had because, you know, there are questions, definitely. So overall, as a movie, it has been a fantastic ride. Uh, all up until this cliffhanger, which completely just tugged on my nuts and spanked them with a hammer. 
yeah, th- this was a great film. It did come out digitally this week. Uh, if you're listening to a weekend of release, it comes out on hard copy, DVD, and Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday. Uh, I highly recommend you check it out. I had a lot of fun with it. Definitely. And, you know, probably one of those smart folk that did watch it before, you know, getting on here. So you can definitely tell just by the overall excitement of the lack of description that can be given towards a lot of what they had to offer in a, a retrospective environment, um, being able to include the world of magic, science, um, ultraviolence, and its finest. Uh, this movie definitely delves into something new with familiar faces, and I like it. Uh, now, starting next week after the movie review, I say we do a quick breakdown of our thoughts, overall thoughts on Batwoman, or we'll find a different time slot for it as it comes up naturally. But expect some kind of Batman uh, review, overall review, uh, something from us next week as Batwoman does start this Sunday. Definitely, definitely. Along with that, much more news, of course, and, uh, you know, the usual runabout of what we get in regards for collectibles and readables. And next week starts a two-part, like a two-week run of a couple of films I've been looking forward to. I mentioned it earlier in the show, but next week we are doing Batman 66 Return of the Cape Crusaders. This is a fine tale told and some of the most classic and colorfully told uh, uh, just overall character involvement ever in DC Universe history. Uh, I can't wait to get back to that old-fashioned touch with a brand new adventure. So next week's definitely going to be a banger for sure. And it even has what I consider one of my favorite Easter eggs in any animated feature. Eggman? No. Do you think during the springtime he wears bunny ears and he's the Easter Eggman? No, but I do think he has a personal rivalry with White Rabbit. Oh, shit. And legend continues. Until next week, where can the good people find you? You know, as usual, I'm going to be on Twitter at Mize1987 and on Instagram at One Man Mize. Um, You know, the usual. How about yourself? Well, you can always find me on Twitter at ClownyJ. You can pick up my official t-shirt at whatamaneuver.net. Go through the drop-down by stores, find my name, grab a t-shirt. It's my birthday next week, folks. Grab a t-shirt. Help me out a little bit. I'm a fat guy that just had to spend $90 on one pair of pants. Come on now, guys. That's the least you can do, you know. Send this man some birthday money, you know. Let him buy some toys. God damn it, you want toys? He wants toys, too. And for just uh, I don't know how much you can help this young man here achieve his goal and get more toys. Yo, the, the t-shirts are $22.99 on what a maneuver. Go Excellent. Super soft. And you know what? This is not a sponsored uh, segment, but shout out to Large Lads Clothing online. Uh, I was able to find a pair of jeans in my size and the payment processed on Monday they're already in my hands. I've already tried them on. Outstanding. That's, That's how quick they're shipping to get me these to get me my jeans. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear that they're you know on the ball on this kind of thing. Uh, so no, you know, if, you, if you're like me, if you're a plus size gentleman, uh, if you like giant clothes that are baggy and comfortable, 
Check them out online, Large Lads Clothing. Uh, you get 10% off your first purchase, and that doesn't include any online coupons or deals that they have going on. Maybe you want to stand in a pant leg. Maybe your partner wants to stand in a pant leg. Maybe you both want to be, you know, little people in big person pants. Whatever the case is, even if you need big person pants, then you know where to hit them up. Yo, remember that picture that someone used to have on their phone? It was Shauna and Kaylee, I believe, at the house. And the two of them were wearing my overalls. I don't remember that one. No, it, it was a good one, sir. Well, if it ever comes up. And also, you can find Shauna on Twitter. She is uh, the Sick Space Hair. She's on Instagram, Sick Little One. Check out all of her knitting goodies at Mookie's Stuff Buddies, uh, including her new glow-in-the-dark Oogie Boogie. And just today, she made a little pipe and weed baggie case, or it could also be used as a cell phone case. It looks like an old green Game Boy color, but the screen glows in the dark. Oh, that's fantastic. I like that. Well, that's absolutely outstanding, man. And what else is outstanding is uh, I'm not the only person that can get, you know, fantastic single issues, back issues, up-to-date issues. And what better way to do it than to go down to the 725 at 725 Barton. You can hit up Gary's. Uh, he's uh, always down for some uh, curbside pickup at this point in time. But call ahead, get your uh, singles down there, you know, pop on down there, say hello, grab those, maybe grab some other uh, obtainable merch, some fantastic figures, maybe some Magic the Gathering, whatever tickles your fancy, you know. But again, 725 Barton Street East, go on down ahead, give Gary the good old hello. Yeah, and what's cool is you can actually call ahead or uh, Facebook or tweet him. Let him know what polls you're looking for. And when you get down there, he'll have them ready for you. Absolutely. You can go to facebook.com slash Burdens Comics, or you can even hit him up on Twitter at Burdens Comics. Whatever the case is, whatever the best way for you to reach him is. You know, he's always got a means to get a hold of him. So go on ahead. And of course, Ontario has recently entered its newest lockdown with curbside pickups. Uh, basically, we're going back to how we were in things in March and April. Uh, so I'm not sure. Hopefully sometime in February, Sean and I will be able to come back down to Hamilton, spend a, a month down there and steal your ass back up here, sir. Oh, that would be fun. I think that'd be cool. Perfect. Well, until then, my friends, I want to thank you for tuning in as you do each and every week. You know, we've been running this podcast steadily besides our holiday break for we'll call it seven and a half eight months we've already reached over 900 listeners so i want to thank each and every one of you that tune in to hear the three of us ramble about something that we love uh if you're on something like apple Podcasts, where you can do a rating give us at least a three star we know we're worth at least that but thank you for tuning in each and every week we love you for it i go on sale on some holidays so uh you can go two and a half stars at least in some days but yeah. exactly Give us those threes. But hell, thank you very much for tuning in like you do every week. Next week, we will be back with Batman 66, Return of the Cape Crusaders. And at no more appropriate time do we say to you, we will see you next week at the same pod time. At the same pod channel.